Sleeper 2021, a series of conversations with explorers, artists, and thinkers in the world of hospitality, experience, and design. Hello, and welcome to Sleeper 2021. My name is Guy Dietrich, editor-at-large of Sleeper magazine. Today, I'm delighted to welcome a truly rising star of the industry, from the south of the big continent of Africa. Tristan Duplessis is making waves with a seductive design style which seems to be hitting today's zeitgeist. He'll tell us more about that later, but I want to tell you how he popped up on our radar. It was at the Head Mia 2019 Awards where he was shortlisted with two of his projects. We met at our Heads Up brunch at the Bulgari Yacht Club in Dubai uh, early in the day to hear from Tristan and then we saw quite a bit of him that later that evening at the award ceremony itself because he picked up no less than two awards, uh, well, three actually, two for the, the categories Restoration and Best Suite, and also the ultimate prize of our Hotel of the Year, and that was for Gorgeous George down in Cape Town. So we're here to talk about all of this and more, uh, and I'd like to make a very big welcome to, to Tristan. Thank you. Thanks, Guy. Thanks for having me, and thanks for that uh, really great introduction. I wish I had that everywhere I went. <laughs> okay, well, tell us, uh, Tristan, where are you speaking from today? I don't think it's Cape Town. Yes, yeah, so I'm speaking from my Johannesburg office today. Um, unfortunately, I wish I was in beautiful Cape Town right now. So yeah, I'm spending most of my time between Cape Town and Johannesburg at the moment. Um, it's just about as much traveling as I can do. Tell us a little bit about your, your um, formative years, your sort of growing up and schooling and home life and stuff. Were you from a creative background? Or how did this this idea of of interior design come about? Come from a somewhat creative uh, background. Um, my great uncle is is quite a well known artist in South Africa, so I think it, I think it's in the genes somewhat. Um, I went to a good old public school here in Johannesburg, and for some reason I just took a liking to design, and I, you know, started picking up books where I saw lots of designs from Philippe Stark, Marcel Wanders, Tom Dixon, and I just really had a had a liking for it. Um, I decided to study a marketing degree, which I hated, so I dropped out within six months, um, and that's where I thought my my career into interior design should start. Uh, did you think about going to study then interior design and architecture, perhaps? Or yes, absolutely. So that was my plan: is to go study either architecture or interior design. Um, and I decided to intern for a firm, quite a big firm in, in Johannesburg. Um, it was a week-long internship, and they really liked what I did. So I stayed another week, and another week, and another week, and uh, <laughs> I never left. So I didn't get the chance to study, but I did get a lot of hands-on practical experience that I took with me uh, th- through my career and still, still today. And, and what sort of work were you doing uh, in this internship? So they were doing a lot of nightclub design and luxury residential design. Um, and obviously at the time being 2021, designing nightclubs was uh, an ultimate dream. Um, so <laughs> right. it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Sounds it. Um, but uh, it wasn't long before you started up your own company. Uh, and I think that was in 2015, uh, Studio A. Yes, that's it. So in 2015, I decided to start my my own company. Um you know, with the goal of picking up one or two projects in the first year. Um, and luckily in that first year, I picked up eight, which was really uh, unexpected. Um, and it hasn't really stopped from there. I've just 
grown each year exponentially. So I'm, I'm very happy I, I decided to take that leap. I really, really started off with nothing, uh, no investment. Um, I didn't really have much money saved up to to jump across and do my own thing. And I called up one of my friends and uh, I set up my office from his boardroom. So that was uh, the first year of my company um, called Studio A. Uh, I never thought I'd be doing international work, which is why I had to do the name change because there are plenty of Studio A's all over the world. So (laughs) (laughs) um, it's definitely exceeded my expectations. What about uh, your, your first project, Hell's Kitchen? Tell us a little bit about that. So Hell's Kitchen is is the first project we had. Uh, like I told you, I, you know, I got paid about a thousand pounds to design this space, um, and I, I, I threw everything at it. It's a it's a really cool dive bar in a, not the best neighborhood in Johannesburg uh, called Melville. Melville, yeah, and uh, it actually did really well. I mean, to this day, it's still very busy, and unexpectedly, it picked up a lot of international notoriety. Um, still to this day, when I try to get ins- inspiration on sites like Pinterest, uh, it still pops up. So I think that was the the, the first project I did, and I, I was really excited that uh, that the international community picked it up. There were loads of articles on it, and uh, you know, I actually couldn't believe it. So it's, st- it's still a firm favorite of mine. Why? So why is it a firm, firm favorite of yours? What what was so appealing about this project, your first one? Yeah, so I think the I think because it's your first one, there's kind of no pressure. You know, there's no expectation. So I just had fun. I just had fun and I, I did what I thought was cool. Um, no one expected a specific style from me. And because I was getting paid, they didn't really expect anything great. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was just a, a really fun project. And I knew that me and my friends would end up drinking there once it opened. So I wanted to to make sure my friends were suitably impressed. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's how it all started. What was the sort of the, the feel? I mean, a dive bar, yes, but um, pre- prohibition, perhaps. Yeah, it had a prohibition feel, but it was definitely rebellious. It kind of had a rock and roll um, undertone to it. We have big framed portraits of you know rock stars and authors like Charles Bukowski. Um, yeah, and even taking things like you know an expensive moi lamp, ripping off the shade and hanging them from the ceiling uh, was cool and fun. I mean, we even had. Uh, a library with a, a book that you pulled and behind it there was a secret room okay. um which all sorts of things happened in uh, but it was a very prohibition yeah, a really fun yeah. rebellion okay very prohibition yeah so what so what do you what would be sort of your biggest learnings from from going from working for somebody else to then working uh, on your on your own what are the biggest learnings you could give us and, and other and the, and the listeners well obviously the biggest learning is you go from being a designer um to being a businessman, which is quite a, a big step and something that you don't really understand uh, the gravity of before you start. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of business marketing positioning that goes into the design before you get to create beautiful things. So I think that's a, that's a learning process as, as you go along, but it's, it's a vital part of, of any designer's uh, trajectory. I mean, there are super talented people out there, but you need to be able to find a way to get yourself out there. And I think, you know, that, that, that business side is, 
is nearly as important as as having a good design eye and a, a talent. So if I, look, I take that as sort of two two strands there, really. One is this idea of having a, a good business manager, unless, of course, you have those skills too, and also sort of some public relations and marketing. So I do it all myself. Um, and I've purposefully chosen to to have a small studio. You know, it's a group of 10 of us, and uh, I, I don't think I'll grow much bigger than that um, intentionally because I still want to be hands-on with all of my projects. And, uh, you know, my design office is, is more of a family than a, you know, than, than, than a corporation. Okay. So I like to be hands-on on the business side and, and obviously all the design side. And then what about this uh, getting, getting yourself out there? You seem to have had no difficulty in doing that. There's a wealth of uh, uh, coverage in, across all sorts of media um, that you've, you've gained over the last couple of years. Um, do you have an agency working for you on that, or are you just doing it word of mouth? Again, I'm just doing it word of mouth. Um, I think the most important thing to get stuff out there is to do stuff that really stands out. Um, you know, media want to see interesting things and and give their readers interesting things. So, if you create something interesting, um, it's likely that uh, it will get out there. And once it's out there, you know, you, you've got to cultivate relationships with editors and you know people in the industry, and 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 now given the community with Instagram and you can be connected with all of these people on a daily basis, on personal terms. So it's, it's really important to keep those relationships fresh. Do you have any any mentors uh, that are helping you along on this process? Sadly, I don't. And I wish I did. <laughs> I'm still looking for one. This is an open call for a mentor. Please <laughs> uh, maybe, find me. Maybe you don't need one. It doesn't sound like it. So tell me, was there a particular tipping point in your career or, or perhaps a few tipping points? Um, yes, there was, uh, there was quite a big project that, that fell on my lap. Well, I actually pitched really hard for it and I edged out, uh, two really good designers who were way above where I was, um, to do a business members club called mesh in Johannesburg, mm-hmm. um, which was said to be the first luxury business members club with a, with a reasonably high budget. Um, and after that, I, I really stamped my marker at least in, in, in South Africa. And, and and how did you stamp your mark? So I, with that project, uh, it, it wasn't like Hell's Kitchen where I was just having fun. I really wanted to carve out a niche, um, a style and aesthetic that I believed in, which which had this rough luxe appeal to it, um, which I hadn't seen internationally or, or locally. So I, I really leant hard into that. And there are some amazing juxtapositions which is is something that i like to explore in my design can you can you describe some of those for the listeners who perhaps aren't familiar with mesh so in mesh uh the the one investor has one of the biggest art collections in the country um and i like to put his uh millions of rands art pieces on a concrete wall for example um and and i think that kind of contrast is unexpected and i like it because it's it's rebellious but when you see it all come together, you know, it's, it's quite beautiful that it's not all one thing. And uh, I, I think two extremes together only pulls out the best in both. Like it, like it. Very nice. I saw also there, there was some, some, some beautiful uh, pink uh, toned chairs uh, sitting beneath a picture. Tell us a bit about that. Yes. So that particular piece is done by an artist called Pienev. Um And that particular piece is one of the most important master art pieces in the country 
um, which is pretty crazy to have on display, like that you can even reach out and touch. So I, I wanted to tie in the pink hues of that sunset with the chair. And the, the location of that, that bar is also in a prime sunset view. So when the sun sets, it's got that pink hue over Johannesburg, ties in with that PNF painting um, and the two chairs underneath it. It's a really beautiful moment. Ah, uh, how I miss those African sunsets, I tell you. Okay, so that was Mesh back in 2016. Um, you designed a, a, a bunch of bars and restaurants, uh, winning some awards there. Um, how many projects do you think you've, you've done in total uh, to date? Since we started, definitely over 50, um, maybe even more, which is, which is quite good for a, a small firm in, in a short period of time. Absolutely. And, and where, whereabouts are these projects? Yeah, so sometimes when I, when I speak about where the projects are based, I, I kind of feel like I'm lying because I never expected this to happen. Um, but I've done resi re residential projects in, in France, in the French countryside. That's in Nor um, Normandy, isn't it, I think? In Normandy yeah. um, for a family who I, I can't name, but mm -hmm. we're very interesting to work with. Um, I did a, a hotel called Chapter Roma in, in the heart of Rome in Italy. And we're actually busy with uh, a new, hopefully Michelin-starred restaurant in that space as well. Cool. Um, I'm busy with design for a new restaurant in Miami, and I've done a few few different projects in Miami as well. Um, and the, the biggest market currently is is the Middle East for me, having done projects in Bahrain, Dubai, um, and now we're busy with a project in in Jeddah and uh, a big one in Abu Dhabi. One of the projects for which you were shortlisted at the Mia Awards in 2019 uh, was Alice and Fifth uh, in Santon, Joburg. Tell us a little bit about that. Alice and Fifth was uh, one of the first luxury dining experiences in, uh, in Johannesburg. And the emphasis there is definitely on luxury. We didn't pull any punches um, to make the most luxurious experience that we could. It was set in a basement of a hotel, which is quite a tricky space to work with. Um, but yeah, we, we, we really dug hard and, and we did something very special. I think internationally, that would be my big break because that went viral all over the place in every magazine that I could have ever imagined it to be in, um, all over the internet. And uh, it really kind of solidified my name internationally. And uh, yeah, it, it, it did really well. We won some amazing awards um, for it as well. So that, that was a, a really big project and, and one that I, I poured my soul into. But Tristan, tell us, describe Alison Fifth. I mean, I, I, things I take away there are this, this molding that sort of goes up on the, on the side of the wall and, and even stretches on, on, on a curve up into the ceiling. Um, there's a very strong black and white marble uh, 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 floor to the, the, the front of the bar. Um, some, some uh, I think it's green colors you've got in there mainly, velvets and what have you. So there are a lot of velvets um, and a lot of European influence design and we wanted to take that European luxury and twist it quite literally in some spaces you know doing French paneled walls that curve up into the ceilings um, we use tassels as a chandelier running throughout the whole space so we got 6,000 velvet tassels that became our chandelier running through the space we use lots of marbles um, lots of aged brass and uh, it, it was a, a really lush luscious experience walking into the space. 
and a, and a space with no windows also, like you say, very tricky to deal with. Um, I'd like to sort of mm. change tack a little bit here and, and uh, rather than sort of just running through a list of your projects, I'd rather look at some of your sort of your, your style traits or design uh, themes. But would you agree that, that you're, you're, it's quite sort of a moody feel? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just something that personally uh, I'm attracted to, you know, like dark, moody spaces that, you know, you can feel as you walk in. Um, that's something that I enjoy when I travel as well. Um, I'm definitely doing some breakaway work now where I'm not using any dark colors, which has been very hard to to restrain myself. So I think over the next few projects, um, you'll see a lighter tone, but I'll always be drawn back to dark brooding spaces for sure. Quite quite sexy in a way. And I, I think many of the spaces have this sort of quite sort of masculine sort of sexiness, uh, if, if that's a, the right way to describe it. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of the differentiator in in my work currently is that it does come from a more masculine perspective, um, whatever that means. But, uh, you know, the, it, it does have a stronger, darker feel to it. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's one of the things that sets me apart. On, on the other hand, uh, I looked at one of your projects, uh, an optician store in Norwood called Now You See Me. Uh, and that, for my mind, was very sort of sexy feminine yeah so that was an amazing project and kind of one that we just did for a laugh um it's a and it was a really old optometrist like maybe 30 years old um in a community called norwood in johannesburg and they wanted to do a really cool uh optician so we we went all out we only used hues of pink yeah. um it definitely comes from a more feminine perspective um, but we wanted it to be light and fresh and inviting to anyone so uh, that was a that was a really fun departure also there i saw there's lots of artwork big murals on the wall um which you sort of uh, caricatured with uh, pairs of glasses on them and things is art an important part of what you're doing art's absolutely an, an important part of what i do i mean there's so much that can be told in a in, in an art piece um and it can bring so much emotion into the space as we know um with now you see me we collaborated with uh with two designers called diana and Kurs. um they also did work with us at gorgeous george which we'll probably discuss right now um so art and the, the the power of collaboration through artists is is very important in all my work um and i think just to to delve deeper into that like i think collaboration is the most important and central part of what i'd like to be as a designer is bringing people onto a project, not making it solely about me, um, you know, and engaging a team for every project. Sticking to your sort of design themes, you said about Alison Fifth, the feel was intended to be nostalgic of a time gone by, but with a contemporary twist and a slightly dark undertone. Is this idea of, of um, you've already touched on it, modernity and nostalgia uh, also key to all your work? It's not key to all of my work, um, but it is something I enjoy playing with. I think there's there's something cool about bringing something from from the past and and, and making it new again, um, and it's a theme that I explore quite often. But I wouldn't say it, it's it's style defining, but it's definitely fun to play with. Materiality that's another key element, I think, of what you're 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 doing. It's uh, do you think that sort of form follows function when it comes to things like um, velvet? which is lovely, but in, in a hardware and hospitality environment is perhaps a little bit tricky. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there, there are ways and means around it. So where I'd use velvet is, is, is obviously on surfaces that, that, that aren't um, very he- heavily trafficked. You know, if, if you're doing a, a seat, for example, where you, you can have a velvet back, but a, a, a leather seat portion. So, I mean, it, form does follow, follow function. And uh, that's, that, that's true. But there are also amazing fabric manufacturers that uh, create really high rub count velvets and all sorts of beautiful beautiful materials at the moment talked earlier about stone uh marble granite and, and brass inlays etc um key key to you important yeah materiality is absolutely key and important and I, I think what i really want to to bring through into every project is true materials um that age and weather and look better with time um i have an obsession with with marble and natural stone um, just the fact that it, it gets pulled out of mountainsides and polished up without us doing anything. And it's, it's this beautiful piece of art that, that's just been lying in the ground for, uh, for, for millennia. Um, I think it's an amazing material and I think we, we're really privileged to be able to, to use it. Um, I also enjoy materials like brass that ages with time, that has a tactile finish to it. Um, and I think, at, in, at any and all costs, I try to avoid synthetic material. Another theme I sort of see, and I think that's largely due to the, the darkness quality of, of, of much of your work, is a sort of a mono, monochromatic uh, approach. Um, and I know that you're a fan of uh, Joseph Durand um, and uh, some of his early years projects uh, for Grupo Habitat, uh, the one in the hotel in Monterrey and Distrito Capital in Mexico City, they were very monochromatic. Is, is, that, a, is that a thing that uh, attracts you or you just like Duran's work in general? Okay, so, I mean, I love all of Duran's work. I think he's a genius and, uh, you know, the, his use of restraint as well is something that I really look up to. It's not something that I've, uh, I've honed in on just yet, but uh, I, I, I do think he's one of this, this generation's great designers and, uh, I really look forward to any, everything that he that he puts out there. With regards to my my own use of monochromatic spaces, it's just a personal feel. Um, I don't like spaces that feel like they've got a lot going on. I like continuity and you know um, importance of of form rather than lots of competing colors. And it, it's just not something that that I'm personally attracted to. Not to say that it's 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 a a negative way to design it's just something that i'm not into but yeah it's, it's funny you say that because i, I look at um things like uh allison fifth and it's actually quite interesting color bits and pieces in their mesh we talked about the the, the pink uh sunsets um at uh, giggy the restaurant uh on the the, the rooftop uh, at uh, gorgeous george you've got these green black and yellow stools there's quite a lot going on there so these are real departures from that monochromatic style no yeah absolutely and uh you know I try to pride myself in not having a particular style that um, that defines the, the work that I do. I love the fact that I get to 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 make these departures and uh, explore different avenues. So, I kind of my design ethos is that I do the best for whatever is needed for the particular project. So that's the most exciting part about design. I think is that any brief could land on your table tomorrow. And it could change up your whole aesthetic. And I love that. 
Tristan, one thing you're, you seem to be very keen on is this idea of the South African design spirit. And I know you're a big fan and supporter of spreading the word about South African design. T- tell us uh, uh, about those guys like uh, uh, Jan and Kus and other people you've worked with uh, and, and what you're doing and, and how this South African design spirit should be promoted. So I think in South Africa at the moment, and uh, obviously I'm biased because I, I am South African, but there really is this bubbling undersurface of creativity and not just in design, but in fashion as well. I think two of the three um, LVMH prize winners of the last few years are South African. And it just goes to show you that there's so much, much wealth of talent here. Um, at Gorgeous George, I basically used that project as a platform to show local design on an international level. I mean, we collaborated with uh, Gregor Jenkins who has amazing furniture ranges, um, Douglas & Co., Laurie Weed. You should try look, anyone who's listening should try to look these people up because they're doing amazing stuff. Um, also worked with the Southern Guild Gallery. Um, we got an amazing piece by an artist called Porky Heifer. Um, he was based in South Africa, but now he's moved to Miami. And it's just such cool stuff to work with. And it, it's really undiscovered. So, you know, I... I, I you know, I'd implore any international designer to at least have a look at what's happening in the South African design scene. So yeah, so you're 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 trying to push these guys, and 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 I guess uh, by by putting them there in, in gorgeous George, there's a good chance that uh, you'll be able to use them in some of perhaps your Middle East projects and things. Is that is that the idea? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I want to build these relationships and uh, take them with me when I I get deeper into my more large scale commercial projects. And is there a good quality of workmanship? Do you do you find in in South Africa? Do you think you have that in South Africa, or or is is that something that really needs to be developed? Yeah, so that's something that definitely needs to be developed. And I think the the furniture that you see and and, and the piece that you see coming out of South Africa, um, you know, the quality is great, but you can see that it's restrained um, by the lack of resources. You know, there's there's not a strong artisanal heritage in South Africa. Um, due to a whole lot of factors, sure. but um, we're just working with what we have. And even from my side, some of the projects that we get to execute in South Africa with the, um, you know, the kind of skill levels that we have, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And we definitely have to squeeze a lot out of it. And uh, it would be a sector that would, uh, would thrive if, if we had more development. So do you think like more training, maybe there should be sort of colleges or schools uh, teaching some of these, uh, these, these skills? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would love to see that in the country. And uh, I wish there was some way that I could make that happen. But uh, yeah, trade schools would definitely benefit South Africa a lot. So let's um, now home in a little bit uh, as, as time is running uh, on, on the, the two hotel projects that I really wanted to look at. Firstly, let's look at um, the Chapter Roma. Tell us what's, uh, what's going on there. Okay, so Chapter Roma was... Uh, an amazing project that 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 came by chance um, through Instagram, actually, where the hotel owner, before he was the the hotel owner, we we, we chatted and exchanged ideas, and uh, eventually he found a site in Rome, which I thought was too good to be true, and uh, I travelled over there, got the project, and uh, we created something really special. Um, we didn't have a lot of budget to play with, um, but we created this 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 special, cool, and again rebellious hotel in rome which is uh, a very traditional city um and the client gave me the free reign to to be rebellious as well 
Um, obviously, with this, a strong understanding of of the context of the space, and you can definitely see, you know, Italian mid mid century influence on it. Um, that was just such an amazing project to be a part of, and I think the end result was was quite special. Um, currently, we're working on a new restaurant in the space, which is going to be headed up by the Michelin Guide's Rising Star. Um, that should be opening up towards the end of this year. Obviously, we've had uh, COVID delays, as I'm sure everyone else has. Sure. But there's a lot of exciting stuff going on there, and hopefully more chapters, uh, more than just Chapter Roma. Okay, that sounds interesting. Um, I see exposed brickwork there um, in, in the in the guest rooms in particular. Uh, also, this, these velvet bedhead boards, um, sort of shaped like lollipop sticks, and I think that's what you're referring to with regard to the Italian mid-20th century type of style. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, the story with the exposed face brick, there is no ways uh, I, I would have painted over it. Um, you know, those bricks were laid 300 years ago. And uh, as a South African, to uncover that heritage and was just phenomenal. Um, and and I, wanted to, I wanted to leave those exposed and I wanted that history to be exposed in the space. And then obviously juxtaposed to that, we went with uh, these rich, deep velvet uh, emerald green beds and i think that play works very nicely so okay so then at, the, at roughly the same time you also picked up the gorgeous george project i mean that's pretty hard going uh you, you've done a lot of f and b um clearly um but two hotels at kind of the same time it's a bit heavy isn't it yeah it was heavy um <laughs> and i kind of got them at, at nearly the, the same time as chapter roma popped up i, I got a call and someone said would you like to do a hotel in Cape Town? I said, oh, well, it's, I'm doing a hotel in, in Italy. And I think that, that, that sealed the deal. And uh, I basically cut my teeth in hotel design with both of those projects. Um, and it was, it was quite trying at times, for sure. Um, there were moments where I nearly quit <laughs> the projects, but I'm, I'm glad that I didn't. And, uh, yeah, I think the end result was, was amazing. And, and it, I definitely fell in love with hospitality design. Especially when you see when you see people using the space, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite special. And, and we're happy you 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 did stick with it because they did, you did very well, and particularly with gorgeous George, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a couple of wins uh, there as well as a Hotel of the Year and our head awards, uh, also shortlisted for our global award in the regeneration category. Do you remember that night? Uh, it was the um, uh, Life Aquatic uh, theme was the dress code for the from the movie from uh, Wes Anderson. Um, and of course, I was the one. I, I was the one wearing the red woolly hat on stage in Dubai, uh, and you were all dressed in bat black. Yeah, coming up. <laughs> Listen, to get... how could I forget uh, <laughs> that night? <laughs> oh, we try, we try. It was an amazing night, um, and definitely unforgettable for me. Um, just, just going to dive in, perhaps a little bit into um, what uh, gorgeous George is like. Describe it for people who haven't seen it. Yeah, so it's 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 two old buildings that have been meshed together. Obviously, that was a, the the tricky part, um, but it's this urban oasis, and it was quite fun to explore that in Cape Town because you're so used to beachfront hotels, and this is an unashamedly downtown hotel. So it's got a lot of color. It's got a local a lot of local craft as you walk through the space. Nearly everything is custom and handmade and hand painted, from the tabletops to the walls to the ceramic um, coffee tables that we have outside. It's just an amazing place to discover design, art, and craft uh, 
of South Africa. It's a yeah, it's it's, it's a beautiful space, and I, I I love taking people through it because it really shows where South Africa is in terms of its contemporary design. Yeah, lots of interesting stuff there. And again, this 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 uh, twist or the juxtaposition of of of, of velvet and soft fabrics with uh, exposed pipework, etc. Uh, in guest rooms, I see marble marble top vanities, etc. That's uh, Gregor Jenkins again. Um, yeah, lots of good stuff there. Okay, um, Tristan, give us an update on your your upcoming projects. So, lockdown period. At the beginning of lockdown period, I thought my career was over, and no one would build a hotel, restaurant, or bar ever again. For the first week, and uh, then luckily I, picked, <laughs> luckily I picked up a lot of projects through through lockdown, which was quite unexpected. And I think the main reason for it is that the whole world got a crash course in Zoom, and uh, whether I'm based in South Africa or right next door to them, we'd be zooming either way. So it's been a game changer for me in, t- in terms of my business, and uh, I picked up a really big hotel project in Abu Dhabi, which will be my first uh, luxury five-star hotel, um, which I'm very excited about. And I wish I could tell you exactly um, what it was, but I mean, the designers before me were Tom Dixon and Marcel Wonders, and I've got some big shoes to fill, um, but I'm very excited about it. And i um, also busy with uh, all the fun elements of one of the world's, what will be one of the world's most luxurious hotels in in Jeddah, in Saudi Arabia. I'm doing the food and beverage design there. And uh, luckily, they've given me the what they call the super penthouse units, which are over a 1,000 square meter penthouse suites. So um, we've, I've got some really amazing stuff in the pipeline, and I can't wait for it to all, to all finish so I, so I can show the world uh, what I've been up to. That's great, and it's it's uh, um, very good news to hear that you've been so busy during this lockdown down period. Working in in the in these COVID times, um, how how has it changed, or has it changed the way you design at all? Yeah, traveling has been uh, an extreme disadvantage, uh, especially being in South Africa. So we are are, are really restricted. But thankfully, our, our our technology is nearly good enough to to overcome it. I think programs like Revit, where you can build a space in 3D and kind of understand the space in 3D is, is, is very important. And I think if this happened 10, 15 years ago, it would be impossible to carry on with projects. So we're nearly at the point where you, where you could do it remotely, but uh, I definitely knew, do need to get out there and I'm busy planning a trip and I'm going to have to quarantine for two weeks and then uh, then hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll get into Dubai. Um, but, but yes, it, it has been a trying time. and. Uh, there's no real answer other than it, it, it is important to be on site practically. So those were the two very big projects uh, we looked at there uh, in Abu Dhabi and Jeddah. Um, you've got a couple of other smaller projects coming up, I understand. Yeah, so we're just busy wrapping up a, a really cool concept in Johannesburg called the Mighty Fine Hotel, um, which is a creative business travelers hotel. There's a strong link between Cape Town and Johannesburg and there's a lot of travel back and forth, and we wanted to create a, a, an environment that was conducive to the creative travel. And it was a very fun, um, fun kind of design to explore. And that that should be opening up next month, so that's great. And uh, I think everyone should look out for that. Um, talking of of uh, it opening soon, do you think you'll be entering that in our Ahead Awards uh, for this year? I think it's very likely that I will be entering in the Ahead Awards. Um, hopefully we get it done in time and get some pretty pictures done. 
And if that's the case, I would be very excited to enter it in the awards this year. Very good. And we're delighted to have you as one of our judges this year. Uh, but just for our audience, just to let you know, uh, there's complete independence. Uh, anybody who submits, uh, any, any of the judges who have work uh, that is uh, up for review or shortlisted, uh, they are not involved in the judging on that project. So you can still enter away, but we're looking forward to having you join us uh, on the judging panel uh, for this year's Ahead Awards. Thank you. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Tell us also about the, uh, the project you got, a project in Austria, not far from me. Yes, yeah, so um, I picked up a really small boutique project in, in Salzburg, which is a city that I've always wanted to go to. And obviously, as I picked it up, lockdown happened, and I, can't, I haven't physically been there yet. But it's in a historic building in the center of Salzburg. It's a 20-bedroom hotel. Um, we've just started design work on it, and we are really excited about it. So I think that's going to be another passion project for us to take on. Tristan, that's a, a lot of time we've taken of yours. Thank you very, very much for that. I think it's time to, to, to call it a day and, and wrap up uh, and say thank you very much indeed, Tristan Duplessis. Cool. Thanks so much for having me, Guy, and look forward to chatting to you again. Pleasure. Sleeper 2021, a series of conversations with explorers, artists and thinkers in the world of hospitality, experience and design.